3: Welcome to another edition of the Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem Pittsburgh studios.
4: And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon, greetings. Thanks for coming along today for the Monday edition of the Ride Home. Kathy has the day off, so the zing is missing. We'll soldier on in her absence, though. Boy, uh, how you holding up here? You know, the talk is around the office. You get from place to place. People are anxious. And, you know, of course, you've got faith, you know, you have faith in Christ, your life in Christ. And I'm grateful for that above all. Of course, I know that you are as well, if you are a believer in Jesus. However, right, the day to day minutiae of where we are in this country right now, in this world, it's absolutely shocking to find ourselves in this situation. Uh, <laughs> we thought it was weird with the pandemic, uh, the two plus years as we enter the third year, so to speak. Of the pandemic, now you lay on uh, the war, which of course, war and rumors of war. Are there really rumors of war about a third world war? Is that even a possibility? And then, of course, uh, here locally, wherever we are, how it hits you in the pocketbook. I mean, I went out on Saturday and did you know usual, usual Saturday morning chores. I'm sure you do these as well, whether it's Saturday or Friday or whenever you do it. I filled up with the tank, filled up at the pump. 80 bucks 80 bucks and i'm sure that was on the cheap end right i think when i filled up it was maybe like 360 or something like boom i see today it's 420 a friend of mine told me that they were filling up uh and it was like 390 by the time they were done filling up the guy was outside raising the price to 419 you drive less Is that an option? I think for a lot of people, right, working from home now, you can drive less. And so you cut down on your leisure activity. But what about the grocery store? We went to the grocery store Friday night. Holy moly. And apparently, you know, more is going to come here. This is not an easy fix. I think everybody knows that, right? This is not something that's going to just blip by and we go, oh, there was inflation. I mean, what if the what are the practicality of it all is that gas prices? Did they really will they be seven dollars a gallon for the foreseeable future? They're saying that that's what it is in California or thereabouts. So, of course, as California lead the, leads the nation, and of course Pennsylvania with the highest gas taxes in the country, we can't be far behind. What does that do to the regular you and me? We're just regular blue collar people here. Just trying to make it, you know, ends meet, paycheck to paycheck for a lot of us. What does that look like in our lives? Thank goodness. Truly, thank goodness this is God, right? Are you doing anything different? Do you plan on doing something different? You're going back and looking at expenses on how you can trim, how you can pair things. How do you plan to survive? We got insurance. You know, our insurance went up recently car insurance, home insurance. Everybody's asking for 5%, 10%, 20% more. Everybody across the board. And probably more on the way. So, how's God working in your life today? In the midst of all this, wasn't it good to be back in church yesterday? I got to be honest. I mean, <laughs> it's the only place, more often than not, where I tend to feel at ease. Where you're surrounded by your community and you go, okay, everybody's here. We're all kind of on the same page, give or take, which uh, unto itself, considering where we've been in these last couple of years with masks and the pandemic and that whole crazy stuff with the politics on, uh, on top of it, it has infected the church in a very big way. I'm not telling you something you don't already know. But there is something to be said Once worship gets underway on Sunday morning, you go, okay, it's gonna, it's gonna be okay. It is, I believe that in my heart of hearts. Of course you do. If you trust, if you got your faith in Jesus, right, everything's gonna be okay, one way or another. But man, that road to get there certainly is rocky. It feels rough. So, I'm happy that you're here with us today. I really am. We do have a good show for you today. It's always a mix. Of course, we're going to talk about Ukraine. We're going to go to the White House today, as we always do. We'll talk about that as well. We're going to talk about social issues social issues as well. It's always a mix. So uh, you're happy to be here. I'm happy to be here with you just to, to share all these things together. But more importantly, I, I just need that community. I, I need fellow believers around me. Because left my own devices, I don't know about you. Left my own devices, I'm no good. I'm just a wreck. Left my own devices, I'm anxious and angry and sad and twisting around and finger pointing. Left my own devices, I'll just screw it up. Thank God there's Jesus in my life. And around those people that love me and know me, right, we've got that community who look you in the eye and say, Settle down. It's gonna be okay. Let's go to our pages. Let's study the Bible. Let's be together. Let's look in each other in the eye. Let's offer forgiveness. Let's not forget about Christ and his sacrifice on the cross and what he did for us and those people who came before us and the suffering of the saints and the apostles. All those things together will conspire (laughs) to bring you back to some sort of sanity because that's what it is to be anxious in this day and age, and I don't think I'm alone. I know I'm not alone. I know it. If I'm feeling it, you're feeling it, and that's how it is. There are those few and delicious saints among us who don't feel it like we do. And they are very, very few. I know that's to be truth. But I'm grateful for those people in my life. They are very lifted, holy and special people indeed. Anyway, that's where we are on this Monday. We'll take a quick break as we always do. We, we go to the White House, talk about adding layers of anxiety on top of it. Greg Clarkson will join us in just a few minutes to give us a lay of the land, what's happening in Ukraine, here domestically, in the nation's beltway, all that and more. The peace of the Lord be with you and also with you. Be right back. Pittsburgh's Christian Talk here.
5: 101.5 WORD.
6: When God created us, he had a purpose for our lives. I'm Alan Jackson. I have the privilege of joining you each weekday to open our Bibles together. The Bible tells us that God has made us what we are. And in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do. Join me and let's see what God has for us today.
2: A Fresh Look at Scripture, weekday mornings at 9.30, Allen Jackson Ministries on 101.5 WORD.
7: Why Doing It Right Roofing, Siding, Remodeling? It's simple. It's in their name.
4: Doing It Right uses only top quality materials and employs only experienced installation and management people to install and oversee your project.
7: Family owned and operated for 38 years and with over 45 years of industry experience, you can be confident that your project will be installed the correct way.
4: Doing It Right does business honestly, taking no money down and collecting balance upon completion. You will
7: receive a lifetime labor warranty from Doing It Right.
4: Doing It Right does all work to manufacturers, National Roofing Contractors Association, and Vinyl Siding Institute guidelines and specifications for a complete and headache-free installation.
7: Doing It Right is an Owens Corning Platinum Contractor and James Hardy Preferred Contractor.
4: Most importantly, they're affordable, offering great financing options and accepting all major credit cards.
7: Be sure to mention John and Kathy for a discount off your roofing, siding and remodeling estimates.
4: Call 7 New Roof or find them at com. In the Bible, Jesus
8: says when we care for the least of these, it's like we're caring for him. But who are the least of these? They're moms like Myrna from Guatemala who fights every day just to keep her children fed.
9: Right now, they are hungry. They want food and we don't have money enough to get to that whole week.
8: COVID-19 has left the world's poorest families on the brink of starvation. Throughout the Caribbean and Latin America, the basics of food and access to clean water are a daily struggle.
7: Living is hard I only get food when other people give me
8: When you partner with Food for the Poor, you answer the desperate prayers of moms and kids. Your gift of will provide food for a year and water for life for two suffering children. Just pennies a day gives food and water, hope, and life. Please give life now. Call 855 828 4673, 855 828 4673, or click the red give life banner at wordfm.com.
1: My heart was racing just making spaghetti. I could have waited to tell my doctor, but I didn't wait.
4: East Monday, we go to the White House where Greg Clugson joins us. Greg Clugson is the SRN News White House correspondent with his finger on the pulse of what's happening in the nation's capital and around the globe. Greg, welcome back. Happy Monday. Hello there, John. Good to be
11: here. Yeah, my finger on the pulse. It's it's, it's getting hard to keep everything on the pulse.
4: It's quickening, isn't it? There's a lot going on. So uh, talk to us about uh, the White House and Ukraine. I'm sure uh, things are flying around uh, the nation's capital.
11: Yeah, John, unfortunately, uh, as people are looking at headlines and, and seeing the news feeds and, and the updates, things are worsening, not getting better right now. In fact, just in the last uh, few hours, uh, the French president, uh, w- Macron, was saying that he, he doesn't see a negotiated settlement uh, within several weeks because Putin, he says, is simply not interested in dialogue in terms of, of, of a ceasefire right now. So that's not encouraging news. And in terms of the White House, the president has been uh, busy as he has been now for nearly two weeks, really working the phones, two weeks, that is, uh, since the start of the invasion and even prior to that. But he was on the phone, a uh, secure video call earlier today, for example, with the leaders of Germany and the United Kingdom and France. And so uh, there are efforts uh, in terms of discussions with allies and partners to still try and figure out uh, what other levers can be pushed and pulled here to uh, to uh, exact even more pain on on president putin and his inner circle and his associates and and ultimately russia and we have certainly seen that through sanctions as well as the decisions uh, by a lot of private companies whether you're talking about netflix or visa mastercard major auto automobile dealerships uh, dealers as well as uh, airlines and things, all suspending service to Russia uh, in sort of a business economic show of solidarity. So things are happening, but uh, at least on the ground in Ukraine, it's not getting better right now. Greg,
4: somewhere I read last week that someone essentially said that war is its own wild animal. And once it starts, it's hard to control where it wants to go. And we're seeing this sort of lay out in real time right now. So the idea that, that corporate America or worldwide corporations are imposing their own sanctions on Russia, this is something new. Uh, We'll see if they have the intended consequences, but I'm sure Putin and Russia will fight back any way possible, whether that's uh, more of a reliance on China or or whatnot. But um, things are very, very odd right now. So talk to us a little deeper about the war effort itself. Now, once things are underway... Uh, you know, I think everyone's been talking about the escalation into a scenario that World War Three could be upon us. What Mm -hmm. about the idea of America supplying arms and fighter jets and how that would work or not? Well, the Biden administration has been very clear about its support for
11: Ukraine, uh, whether that means humanitarian assistance, whether that includes military assistance. It includes both. And so there have been arms and military assistance Uh, shipped there not in the form of American troops and the White House is drawing a very very firm line in terms of not uh, having American troops engaged in combat in Ukraine and for example you had you've had the uh, the president of Ukraine uh, appeal to the United States and to western country leaders for more assistance in the air in terms of securing what he wants a, a no-fly zone he wants to control his airspace over ukraine against russian jets and the united states the white house in particular does not want to go down that path because a military uh, no-fly zone as we talked about i think last monday here uh, would have to be enforced militarily and so that could involve if if the u.s were to enforce that no-fly zone a u.s military jet engaging a russian fighter and the united states does not want that to go because of of the fear that you're just uh, you're you're raising there john in terms of this potentially spiraling out of control and uh, and and broadening more than just the the situation in ukraine so one of the situations uh, one one of the possibilities that is under under discussion right now with the us and poland and some other countries is to provide from poland for example some soviet era fighter planes Mm -hmm. that they have in their air force, give those planes to Ukraine, and then the U.S. would give some of its F-16 fighter jets to Poland. One reason that would uh, be necessary is because the Ukrainian military pilots are not trained on American aircraft, but they are on those Soviet-era aircraft that belong to Poland. So there's got to be a lot of movement here and agreement between multiple countries as to how to get that kind of reinforcement on the ground and in the air in Ukraine.
4: Interesting. So as ancient as the Soviet fighter jets are, and I'm sure the technology is ancient, it's probably just better than nothing. So they'll take what they can get. But it does put us in the pipeline in some way, more than one step away from where we might ignite a war yeah it does and in fact you had putin over the weekend uh issuing
11: uh warnings not just against the united states but any country that he would see as you know you know really taking those steps toward helping ukraine even further than what we've done already and he would see that as uh, as an escalation, and even in his words, uh, a declaration of war against Russia. So, in terms of in Putin's mind, he would see that as being uh, escalating in a very dramatic way the military conflict. While the U.S. and its Western allies are are wanting to support Ukraine but not get involved uh, right now militarily. And so, it, it's a tough it's a tough decision to make because at the same time, you we are seeing you know very. Very troubling pictures and images and video coming out of Ukraine of, uh, of the human suffering and the bloodshed there.
4: So Greg what does this look like diplomatically? I mean I'm I'm sure it's going to be very difficult to have diplomats around the table who want to engage in some way with um, you know Putin's men, whoever they may be, men and women whoever they might be. Uh, From one administration to another how much of a carryover is there? Because of course you know China, Russia, the people that are in the positions of decision-making who act as mouthpieces for the government they're there for decades. Our our diplomats uh, tend to sort of roll Roll over or turnover every four years or so what does that look like as far as our weaknesses and our strengths do you have any insight there
11: well you're right in terms of either every four or eight years in this country we do have changes of administration and uh, obviously that's happened just a little over a year ago here in the United States uh, but there has been a real cohesiveness uh, with with NATO here in fact it's it's been said by uh, any number of individuals that Vladimir Putin's attack and war against Ukraine has done more to unite NATO recently than any other issue or subject. Um, and that's because NATO countries are really on the front lines here in terms of uh, of their, con- their concern and uh, their proximity to what's happening in Ukraine. In fact, the Secretary of State is in Um, three Baltic states today and tomorrow, and they are NATO members, but they're former Soviet republics, and they're a little uneasy about what's happening uh, in Ukraine, obviously, because they're in the neighborhood there, and they are concerned that what could happen to Ukraine could happen to them. So the U.S. is there to reassure them, to give them support in terms of, uh, you know, protection, and the fact that they are NATO members, the entire alliance would then also be would would have their back as well. So it, there are all sorts of levels of of uh, diplomatic efforts going on and uh, we have we have seen cohesiveness here because of the nature of the attack uh and the aggression by Russia and and Vladimir Putin.
4: We're speaking with Greg Clugston. Greg Clugston is the SRN News White House correspondent. So Greg um Probably the, the the big card on the table is the Russian oil import ban. Of course, it's going to impact prices of gasoline. It already has across the country. We're currently at about four dollars or four dollars and twenty cents a gallon here in the Pittsburgh area. I'm sure you're seeing uh, spikes as well. What about yeah. the reality of that? Of that, I mean, it would hurt the Russians uh, long and short term. But that has its own danger as well.
11: Well, we just heard from the White House press secretary just within the last hour, and she said that there's been no decision yet about whether to further restrict or ban Russian oil imports, although it's under active discussion and consideration at the White House. Uh, that's been another call from the Ukrainian President Zelensky uh, to uh, stop down all imports, you know, all, all Russian exports going to the U.S. and other countries uh, to further put pressure on Moscow. Uh, but there's been a real reluctance, as you might guess, by President Biden and the sure. White House on that, because gas prices were already going higher prior to this military conflict in Ukraine, and they've only gone higher since then, uh, you know, over the last couple of weeks, and uh, they're expected to shoot even higher. So uh, if even though there's a it's a relatively small percentage of the overall um, oil supply in the u.s in terms of imports it's eight or nine percent i think from russia over the course of a year uh they're concerned though the white house is concerned john that there would be any disruption to the global markets would further uh make things unstable and uh boost prices here even higher and of course that's a real that's a real political concern for the white house because it's really hitting the the pocketbooks and the wallets of americans already and it could get worse
4: undoubtedly let's uh turn to matters domestic uh, about Congress and the budget. This comes up more often than not, Greg. Uh, there's been talk that the uh, the budget uh, is going to, the impasse is going to shut the government down once again. Where do things stand?
11: Well, late last year, uh, we had the kick the can down the road vote by members of Congress. Sure. And uh, well, that, that can, the it's, end of the road is this Friday. Here's the can uh, again. So, yeah, exactly. So whether they, they kick the can again or actually pass a more fulsome budget this time around uh what's what's interesting is the u.s the white house president biden last week has put forward some additional requests um, and one of them has to do with what we've been talking about about ukraine he wants to see another 10 billion dollars in emergency aid approved by the u.s to help help the ukrainians Uh, and he's also asking for another 22 billion Uh, for continued COVID relief efforts, whether that's with testing, vaccine distribution, research, and all the rest. So he's sort of, uh, he's added, you know, these these additional dollar requests to the already uh, sort of stagnant budget talks. So we'll have to see what happens. And, And as it would happen this week, John, you've got members of the House and the Senate from both parties holding uh, their, their annual retreats for lawmakers. Uh, one, one of the groups is doing it here in DC and, uh, the, I think it's the house Democrats who are doing it in Philadelphia, uh, like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So a lawmaker is going to be out of town, uh, for two or three days this week as it is. And so they may have to be shuttling back and forth. If in fact, there are these votes that are going to be taking place on the budget. So we'll have to see, uh, the previous government shutdown threats were averted late last year. And they probably will again this week, but we'll have to see in what form it takes. Interesting.
4: Greg, just as an aside, you know, as a member of the press, what's the conversation like? Uh, You talk to your colleagues, you know, we talk to friends, we talk to family members. There is rising concern in this country, you know, as you follow closely and your media professionals as well. Uh, These are very weird, unusual times. I'm sure those conversations are reflected in your own personal conversations. Sure. We we talk
11: about uh, a lot of the same things that I think a lot of Americans are talking about uh, when we're just having our, our private, uh, you know, casual conversations. And uh, we're, you know, sort of wringing our hands, too, about the rising uh, gas prices uh, and, and just the concern of whether something like this Ukraine conflict uh, could become a much larger regional problem in, in Europe uh, or even, you know, the World War Three. Uh, possibilities that some lawmakers, including someone like Senator Marco Rubio and others have expressed concern about. So, uh, yeah, we're feeling that we're seeing the, the same details and, and the storylines. Uh, we obviously have to uh, do our best to ask uh, questions and, and get to the bottom and find out what the White House is doing or not doing or considering or not considering so that we can help uh, tell that story uh, as effectively as we can. But we, we uh, we're affected by by these things on a personal level. Uh, just
4: like everybody else. Amen. Well, Greg, thanks an awful lot. We always appreciate your insight here as you join us Monday on The Ride Home. You bet, John. Thanks. Thank you. Peace be with you. Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent. We'll step away just a minute. When we do come back, we're going to talk about peace in Ukraine, Psalm 31. That's our next conversation.
9: I'm cute kid number one. And I'm cute kid number two. And we have been forced. You mean hired. We have been hired. To tell you what direct lender FOMO is. So let's say you buy a new home. And maybe you use one of those big mortgage monsters. Or someone your realtor or friend recommends. Then a few months later, you hear us being forced. Hired. Hired. To tell you about our mortgage team's Direct Lender Advantage. And then you feel like you missed out. Because you probably did miss out. And that is Direct Lender FOMO.
12: It's Ryan, and our mortgage team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender. Which means, our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This often allows us to get you a better rate on that new home mortgage, saving you monthly and lifelong money. We our United Faith Mortgage.
8: United Faith Mortgage is a DBA United Mortgage Corp. Twenty-five Melville Park Parkway, Melville, New York. Licens mortgage banker for all licensing information. Go to NMLS Consumer Access. dot org. Corporate NMLS Number thirteen thirty-five. Record NMLS Number six five two three three. Equal Lender. I in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah.
1: For over forty years, First Baptist Christian School of Butler has quietly offered parents one of the most affordable, high quality Christian educations around. A complete education from pre-K through 12th grade with free busing, smaller classes, an extremely high teacher-student ratio, competitive athletics, and SAT scores well above the national average. Think an affordable Christian education is beyond your reach? Think again. First Baptist Christian School of Butler at butlerfbcs.com.
13: I have two dogs, Sam and Bailey. Both are golden retrievers. Poor Sam. He was a mess. Always itching. His paws were soaking wet all day from just constant licking. He had bald spots on his back. I just don't like putting shots and steroids into your dog all the time. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is nutrition. Probably two weeks after he started Dynavite, I started seeing Dynavite is the best thing you
0: can do for your dog. You
14: won't believe how happy your dog will be.
13: I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Poverty was already rampant in Haiti, but
5: the last two years have been especially devastating for the children and their families. You can help when you sponsor a child with Compassion International. Get started today by texting the word radio to 97646. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey.
15: Much colder for tonight, a rain or snow shower in spots in the evening. Then you'll see some flurries late. Tonight's low 30. Cooler with clouds and sun tomorrow, high 42. Tuesday night, low 32. Wednesday, rain and drizzle in the morning, then clouds, a high 44. Cloudy on Thursday with a high 52, and on Friday, clouds with a high 62. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb.
4: Most people, whether they're believers or not, look at the news on the headlines of war and rumors of war and think, what can I do? Of course, we as believers have prayer at our disposal, which is the greatest tool but uh, Dave Moore, Pastor Dave Moore, and a couple of his good buddies put something together to help those who are in Ukraine suffering right now. It's called Psalm31.org, and Pastor Moore is here to tell us about that. Hey, Dave, welcome back to the show. How you doing?
14: Hi, John. I'm great. How are you? Real good, thanks.
4: Okay, so this is Thank really you. interesting. The work that you and your friends are doing, Psalm31.org, this is very unusual. Explain the details.
14: Well, details are that we um, have created the site, psalm31.org, and have a simple um, section on there called Record. And what we want people to do is record a section of Psalm 31, a video of them um, reading Psalm 31, and upload that video. And then those videos will be stitched together to create an entire Psalm 31 and post it. So imagine if I read verses 1 to 5, you read verses 6 to 9, Kathy read 10 to 14, and three other people, and then those videos are together. So then somebody would be hearing Psalm 31, seeing Psalm 31, six different voices, um, and in our case, all in English. But we would like this to go worldwide so that as many different voices and faces and languages are reading Psalm 31 together as possible.
4: Fabulous. Now, there is, as you know, Dave, here in the city of Pittsburgh and across western Pennsylvania, a sizable Ukrainian uh, population. So wouldn't it be fabulous if people are listening right now who are Ukrainian, they want to send out... Blessings and the strength of Psalm 31 to the brothers and sisters in Ukraine. That's available. So this, the end product happens. How, Dave? How do you envision this? Here, I can see you know the initial construction of our side, but in the Ukrainian right. side, they find it. They do what?
14: Well, they find it, and uh, not just at Psalm31.org, but we're going to send it out through as much as many social media avenues as we possibly can and we want them to simply be able to see it and read and hear it and um even though they won't be able to understand the language the rhythm of psalm 31 you know the rhythms of all psalms are poetic yes. and the rhythm of it like this is the exact same word that i'm reading and, and you know john um we've taken on other projects that you know we're simply reading the bible people uh reading and hearing the Bible. And it takes on a life of its own and we know we can't control it and we're not even sure where it goes next we know on our end this is all we want to do and we want to see what god does with it but we want to get as many thousands of videos of people out there um reading psalm 31 and um so that christians around the world not just ukrainian christians the Christians around the world will know that they are part of something bigger. It's not a political movement. It is the great cause of God's glory being known and his name being glorified mm-hmm. through
4: us. I'm into that. Psalm31.org. Now, Dave, of course, everyone's in the back of everyone's mind. Okay, so this is going to cost me how much? Uh, is there a hook here?
14: No hook whatsoever. The Psalm 31 is an end point um we're producing these videos and and producing this simply for this particular task we are asking for no money we will ask for no money um we uh we're not asking for any help we we're not asking for okay what's the next project there's nothing beyond this except reading the scripture Hmm. together and getting as much of this out there as possible fabulous
4: Dave, it's a great idea. Uh, Dave and uh, I'm sure Matt Carter, uh, you two have produced something else as well, which is always interesting. Uh, now, if they go to Psalm 31, will they see your other works?
14: No, they won't. Uh, it's staying right there. Now, uh, we will link to Psalm 31 from the holy books and from You Can Read the Bible, um, but with the Psalm 31 is just going to sit on its own in isolation.
4: Outstanding. Listen, brother, I appreciate this. I mean, these are really weird, nervous times. Anybody who can bring a measure of peace into people's hearts, especially as they're suffering in Ukraine, it's more than welcome. So thank you for that.
14: Uh, You're welcome. And thank you. Really appreciate getting the word out there.
4: Pleasure is ours. Dave Moore, Psalm31.org. There's no hook here, no catch. It's the purity of God's word going out into the world to help those who are suffering in Ukraine and around the world. Do yourself a favor. Help those. Go to Psalm31.org. 101.5 WORD. I won! I
5: won!
4: And we want
1: you to win, too. So sign up to receive our contests and sweepstakes updates Each Friday, you can see new opportunities to win. We regularly give out prizes from books, music, and merchandise to household items, even vacation trips or car payments. Stay up on all the fun. Subscribe to our contests and sweepstakes update, mailed each Friday. Sign up today at wordfm.com slash subscribe.
13: Before Bamboo HR, <laughs> I feel like crying just thinking about it. We were still handling everything via
5: paper and we literally had
17: that sounds like something to look into, and that's Medishare. Maybe you've heard switching to Medishare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch. To the customer satisfaction rate for Medishare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double. Medishare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century and members have shared more than 3 billion dollars of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE.
4: I'm often fascinated about life before mass communication. I mean, radio really was sort of like the first foray into something that united us as people. Before that, you know, there was the local newspaper, but it really only sort of spread beyond your neighborhood, your you know, beyond the, the local city. But then radio happened. And then all of a sudden radio connected people across hundreds and then thousands of miles and then around the world. And because of that, people changed. And then there was television, which was the visual of radio. And it showed us ways in which we think and live. And of course, people changed. And then there was the internet. And the magnifying glass became deeper and deeper on our lives. And I don't have to tell you how much the internet has changed us. Dr. Carl Truman is back with us. Carl always has an interesting interesting perspective on who we are as believers in Christ, especially viewed through a cultural lens. His newest book, which we love, is called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to Sexual Revolution. Carl, welcome back.
18: It's great to be back. Thanks for having me on.
4: Thank you, Carl. Carl, in the piece that you wrote, called public discourse it's titled our plastic world and plastic selves you engage in a thought experiment which i think in many ways runs a parallel to radio television and the internet talk to us about this thought experiment
18: yeah well really the, the idea of, of plastic people living in a plastic world is we you know we're now living in a world where the typical means by which uh, human beings have identified themselves over the centuries, are rapidly dissolving before us when you think about when I was growing up, probably when you were growing up, uh, the world was relatively stable, even with the inventions you've mentioned, uh, radio, et etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, most human interaction was still embodied, was still physical. Uh, We lived in communities that had a stability to them. We had families that had a a significant degree of continuity. We now live in a world where none of those things apply. And the question then becomes, you know, who are we? How do we identify ourselves when all of the typical external markers by which we would have traditionally identified ourselves, had a sense of self, had a sense of personhood and identity – What happens when when they go into freefall, when they dissolve? Uh, We find ourselves today in a situation where the world is constantly in flux, and we can be anything we want to be because of the technology that's at at our disposal. And that, I think, is a recipe for, uh, well, it's a recipe for all of the problems that we now see around us. For example, high levels of anxiety, uh, people no longer know how to relate to each other because they no longer really know who they are themselves.
4: I took um, consolation. I was consoled as a child is what I should say because I, my identity, identity was primarily I was my father's son. And so as people knew my father, then, then in some ways they knew me as well. But now because we are so disparate, you know, so individual as you speak of, We're just making up our own identities as we go along, right? Few of us would identify as our father, sons in the small towns we live in. Now people identify as he, him, they, which is totally backwards.
18: Yes, I mean, the, the, the trans thing is, is, the, is the latest iteration of this. But when you think about it, I mean, my accent gives it away. I live three and a half, four thousand 4,000 miles from where I was brought up. I'm no longer tied to a geographical location in the way that my parents and my grandparents were. I can no longer be identified as a person from a certain place or a certain town. Uh, when you think about modern life and the flux that is modern life, all of those traditional markers I mentioned have now, have now disappeared, have dissolved. And the trans issue is in some ways the most extreme. One might always have said, well, at least my body gives me some kind of guide to who I am. Well, now we've decided that's no longer the case. My body may present male secondary and primary sex characteristics, but if I feel like I'm a woman, why shouldn't I be a woman? Why can't I be whoever I want to be? Even the institution of embodiment, if you like, Mm. is now being challenged uh, on significant fronts in our society.
4: So what is that going to look like in the future? I mean, we, we live in this entertainment world now where people have turned away from the church Government, of course, has always been suspect, but even more so. And and our altar really is the entertainment world or whether it's, you know, the online of TikTok and Twitter and all the other things. We look to those people in that echo chamber to define who we are. And that's where our self-creation is.
18: Yeah, we're able to confect our own identities. In some ways, this is not, it's not necessarily something we want because most of us have not chosen for our old communities and the old external markers to dissolve. We find ourselves in a world where that's happening. So it's not as if we ourselves have necessarily torn down the structures that we needed. It's where we find ourselves now. And in that kind of a situation, when we want to find an identity, when we want to belong to a group, well, the newly emerging groups will prove attracted to us. That vacuum of identity, if you like, will be filled by other new identities. And we now have the ability to do that through through technology. I would say what we're witnessing today is the passing away of a number of, of the old communities, church, uh, nation, family, and the replacing of them with new authoritative institutions, primarily entertainment, that you pointed to, but also the medical world. Because entertainment and medicine, these are the two things that, if nothing else, They can make us feel good physically and mentally about ourselves. So we're seeing a a whole new authority structure beginning to emerge within society as well at this point. People
4: always, though, make noise about wanting truth in their lives, right? That we should follow the truth, that I am a truthful person. So if everything's fluid, if everything's plastic, as you're saying, then truth is just kind of wiggle as well. But won't people get tired of that sooner or later?
18: I think so. I mean, we redefine truth, of course. Truth originally w- would often refer to some kind of objective state of affairs. Now truth tends to mean in our lives that which makes me feel good physically or mentally, that which is therapeutic to me. So we, we turn truth into a, a pragmatic analgesic kind of phenomenon, if you like. Whether society is sustainable on that basis is is another matter. Uh, if we end up with a society where the only thing that really matters is my own comfort and I'm not willing to sacrifice for anybody else, then we end up with a society of isolated individuals that I suspect may not be sustainable in the long run. It's very interesting that in places like China and Russia, and I'm not putting China and Russia forward as as places we should emulate, but one of the things they do is they specifically cultivate the importance of the nation and national identity. Now, the way they do that may be very obnoxious, but I think what they're seeing is, in order for society to operate at some kind of functional level, There has to be a greater identity than that confected by the individual or the individual subgroups. within a particular society.
4: Right. I mean, you see this. I mean, uh, China and Russia notwithstanding, you see this even in Ukraine today as they are being attacked, right? The Ukrainians, I mean, I'm reading about an article today about a couple that was married in Ukraine and, you know, they were both wearing army fatigues, they're both carrying weapons, but at the end of the wedding ceremony, so to speak, the crowd burst out in the Ukrainian national anthem. I mean, you know, that was necessary to let people, you know, live through another day. But here today in, in the West especially of course you know this we're more interested in safe spaces and trigger warnings and so we are more susceptible to being plod over by the likes of Russia and China
18: yes I mean there's there's a certain truth to the idea that that conflict and opposition and having enemies if you like will solidify certain kinds of identity and America has been so powerful uh, for so long What one might say, well, it's inevitable in that context that a kind of national identity will, will degenerate and will wither away because it's not seen as being necessary at that point. If you're a Ukrainian today, your national identity is absolutely vital to you at this point because it's going to organize everything, all the ways you think and all the ways you act in the coming days. Yes.
4: So I wonder, you know, as the pendulum swings, and it certainly swung violently these last decade or so, will it ever go back to some sense of what we would consider normalcy or the truth that we grew up with?
18: It's hard to tell. I mean, I think one of the most interesting things as a foreigner living in the United States at the moment is the the crisis, the debate over the origin story. Was America founded in 1776 or in uh, 1619? Right. That's the very fact that debate is taking place indicates there's, there's a problem with American national identity because if you don't know your point of origin, if you don't know where you come from, then it's very, very difficult to know who you are in the present. Most of us intuitively know that. Americans intuitively know that because of the great interest in genealogy as there is in this country. Right. All of the Americans I know are fascinated in where their ancestors came from. So we intuitively know that points of origin are important. What's being debated in America at the moment is the point of origin of the nation itself. And that is a very, very interesting development and a very sinister one, I have to say. It
4: is sinister because, you know, where you come from, your home country of England, you know your origin story. And, of course, the Russians know their origin story. So do the Chinese. America being the melting pot that it is, the origin story is up for grabs in some way.
18: Yeah, I mean, it's ironic that what many of us would regard as the, the genius of America, if you like, that it is a country that invented itself, that anybody can come and become an American. I mean, if you emigrated to Britain, John, and, 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 and became British citizen, you would always be an American who happened to have a British passport to yes. me. But in America, anybody can really become an American, a true, genuine American. That's brilliant. And yet that's now proving to be something of an Achilles heel in our current context, when the debate about, well, what is it that constitutes an American really takes off? Yes.
4: From Grove City College, we're talking with Dr. Carl Truman. His book is called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to Sexual Revolution. Carl, as a believer, uh, you yourself are a a Christian. Um, In these weird times that we're living in, Do you find yourself being anxious more often than not, or do you have a measure of peace?
18: (laughs) Well, I've been looking at my retirement funds the last couple of weeks, and I have to say a little bit of anxiety has kicked in.
4: Things have changed.
18: Uh, uh, (laughs) I I think that my, my anxiety tends to run now. I mean, I'm in my 50s. My anxiety tends to run for my children and, you know, and the coming generations, what's the world going to be like for them? I'm less concerned as I get older about me, me because I don't have so long to run. I do worry in the short to medium term for, for the coming generations. We know Jesus is going to win. We know that the church is going to triumph at the end. But we also know that some people live lives of comparative peace. And some people live through times of comparative trauma. And I would rather have my kids and grandkids (laughs) live through times of comparative peace. Yes. I I, get a little anxious about that. Not that I'm worried about how history is going to end, but what kind of life my children, my grandchildren will have.
4: I agree. I mean, you you know, you look at us. I mean, post-World War II and to where we are right now, we have lived relatively, and, you know, it's up for grabs, of course, but it's been relatively peaceful as far as the sweep of the world, and now we may be entering into a new phase, or perhaps not.
18: Yeah, I mean, I never faced the draft. Uh, I, I mean, America had Vietnam, of course, which Britain did not have. Um, British people of my generation have had a very, very easy life compared to our parents and our grandparents going through two world wars, and that could be changing in the West, could yes. be changing.
4: Well, Carl, thanks. Uh, You're always very thoughtful, and I appreciate your presence here, as always.
18: Thanks for having me on,
4: Thank you. Carl Truman joins us from Grove City College. His work is called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to Sexual Revolution. You can find Carl all over social media. He publishes regularly and deeply. Carl Truman from Grove City.
3: If you want to make a difference in your life that impacts you for years to come, then it's time to stand with Israel by going there. Consider the thrilling excitement of joining nationally syndicated media host Dr. Sebastian Gorka and renowned author and filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza on the Stand with Israel tour November 30th through December 9th, 2022. Journey through the Holy Land with two of the most respected political commentators of today. Together with like-minded travelers, you'll see over 40 iconic sites during the 10-day tour. You can pray at the Western Wall in Old City, Jerusalem, float on the Dead Sea, and take a boat out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com to reserve your spot or call 855-565-5519. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com. Or call
4: 855-565-5519 to book today. Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He created the Giza Dream Bed Sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for you. Hey, this is John Hall. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. And his latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. For a limited time, you'll receive 60% off the Giza Dream Sheets that come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You'll receive a set for as low as $39.99, and for a limited time with any purchase, you'll receive Mike's softcover book, free when you use promo code WORD. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code WORD along with this offer. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-391-0954. Use the promo code WORD or visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WORD. Hi, this is Joe Belanti
14: with JD Waterproofing at 1-800-Berry-Dry. In honor of our 81 years serving the tri-state area, we are offering great savings for all our new and past customers. Call 1-800-Berry-Dry. That's 1-800-Berry-Dry to get your savings on basement waterproofing, bowing, or cracking walls, and or footer stabilization projects or visit us at jdwaterproofing.com jnd waterproofing family owned and operated since 1939 what is a warrior at
1: portersville christian school it's more than a team name a warrior is taught to serve to passionately model the love of christ toward neighbor community and world to learn as they cultivate academic excellence and a lifelong love of learning from kindergarten to senior year and to lead through Christian character and integrity. Are you a warrior? Discover Portersville Christian School just 15 minutes north of Cranberry where
4: warriors are made at OurPCS.org. Okay, it's not all negative, is it? Of course not. No, there's some incredibly... Beautiful things that go on in this world, and I think the closer you are to home, the better it is, right? Don't you love? Don't you love being at home? We sat out in the yard yesterday. Of course, the weather was so fabulous over the weekend, and um, I think for like a lot of people, you know, we're surrounded by deer where we live, and we we live, you know, very very close to the city. But I have more deer in my yard than uh, Santa's workshop. I mean, they are always there, and they're beautiful. Destructive is all good out. I, I basically have given up on any sort of, you know, flowers or plants or shrubs because they eat everything, you know, everything down to the nub. Having made peace with that and seeing these beautiful creatures walk through the yard and, you know, do their thing, I love it. I really do. So th- there is that. And one of the weird things about these unusual times that we're living in, and of course they are unusual, remember back, you know, when uh, the the horrid tree of life massacre and how that grew the city of Pittsburgh together. And and of course, any city where there is tragedy, and of course it's most cities where there is one tragedy or another, people come together generally in prayer. And that happened yesterday at St. Paul's in Oakland. I mean, I'm reading about it. I did not go. I was busy yesterday. And after I read about it, I was like, Oh, I wish I would have gone. Um, there there was a massive outpouring of people of good faith wanting to get together and do something, which was they gathered together in community and they prayed. 24 churches and organizations attended and co-sponsored the event, and it ran the gamut. I mean, so, you know. Episcopalians next door to the Byzantines, the Salvation Army next to the Turkish Cultural Center, the Ukrainians next to the African Methodist Church, and on and on and on. And people got together. The prayer service was more than 90 minutes long. And I know it changed people's hearts and minds. The effect it'll have on the world, of course, because prayers never wasted, was very positive. But especially for those people who gathered, in some ways, it was like, being home again, right? Like me, talking about the deer in the backyard. Being home with people of good faith who need and want to pray to bring peace to this world, it's never wasted time. So that's a powerful thing. That's the, that's the silver lining in all of this, is that people of good faith will continue to pray, and people will come to faith because they're lost and scared. People will come to Jesus because of that. There's no doubt about that. We'll take a quick break. Reset for the five o'clock hour. Stick around. We're Pittsburgh's Christian talk right here on 101.5 Word FM. That's W O R D.
5: Listen on your smart speaker at WordFM.com. The Word FM app, iHeart, tune in and on Odyssey. In your car or at home too at 101.5 W O R D FM, Pittsburgh.
0: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. A new poll shows 70% of Americans favor increased U.S. oil and gas production. Amid rising fuel prices.
3: The numbers come in the latest Rasmussen Report's daily tracking poll. 70% of respondents say the government should encourage increased oil and gas production to reduce dependence on foreign oil. Only 18% said they disagree. The poll comes amid soaring prices at the pump, buoyed by inflation and supply chain problems, and made only worse by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Republicans have been calling on President Biden to allow more U.S. production and ban oil imports from Russia. Bob Agner reporting.
0: Jury selection begins Tuesday in the trial of poor men accused of conspiring to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. The government says the men were upset about Whitmer's stay-home policies and other COVID-19 restrictions in the early stretches of the pandemic. This is SRN News.
16: It's that time of the year at the Spring House in 84. It's dairy farm tour time. That's right. We actually invite classes of school children to our real working dairy farm. The children love feeding the calf, milking the cow, and even seeing where the cows sleep and smelling what they eat. Many children today have never even touched a baby calf, nor have they associated the wonderful cow as the source of the milk that they get from the grocery store. At the Springhouse in 84, we are so committed to teaching children about farming and helping them understand how much the city mouse and the country mouse truly need each other. Call 228 3339 or have your child's teacher set up a date for your child's classroom farm tour and let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse in 84.
2: What is a neighbor? This is Greg Jerzynski, and at the Original Mattress Factory, we believe a neighbor is more than just someone who lives nearby. A good neighbor treats you with honesty and respect and works with you to build a better community. At OMF, you can expect to be treated like a neighbor. We offer our locally made, hand-built mattresses and box springs at a factory-direct value because we know you deserve the best. Visit an OMF location today to experience the
1: Original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. When it comes to your child's education, consistency is key. And in a world that's been anything but, parents have found an unshakable educational partner in Eden Christian Academy where students experience an engaging, rock-solid Christian education at each of their three North Hills campuses, enabling them to thrive academically, spiritually, and socially. Take a tour during Admissions Week beginning March 14th and see what a consistent, quality pre-K through 12th grade education can offer your child at edenchristianacademy.org. When it matters, companies need more than just a delivery service. CentOS delivers full service and the reliability that comes with having a dedicated CentOS service rep Who understands your business, which means they deliver confidence and peace of mind, too. For uniforms, cleaning essentials, mats, first aid and safety supplies, and fire protection services, discover the personal attention you get with Centos. Oh, I'm ready! Visit Centos.com
2: and get ready for the workday. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving! Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group, Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. <laughs>
15: Much colder for tonight, a rain or snow shower in spots in the evening, then you'll see some flurries late. Tonight's low, 30. Cooler with clouds and sun tomorrow, high, 42. Tuesday night, low, 32. Wednesday, rain and drizzle in the morning, then clouds, a high, 44. Cloudy on Thursday with a high, 52. And on Friday, clouds with a high, 62. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb.
3: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios.
4: And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. I was talking to a friend of mine after church yesterday, and uh, of course, you know, you're a church, so you're talking about a lot of different things. But my friend uh, offhandedly said, well, you know, the truth is that most people, whether they're believers or not, never really crack their Bible. And I wondered if that was true. You know, I'm sure that's there's more often truth to that than not, right? I guess regular Bible readers are probably a, a, a tiny majority, or minority in this country. A tiny minority. But our guest last hour, um, Dave Moore, was talking about um, his initiative, Psalm31.org. And, and during the break, I opened up my Bible here in studio, and I started to read it. So let me just read you Psalm 31. It just take a couple of minutes. If you're not a Bible reader... Just listen to this. This is, this is Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net that they've hidden from me for you are my refuge into your hand i commit my spirit and you have redeemed me o lord faithful god i hate those who pay regard to worthless idols but i trust in the lord i will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction you have known the distress of my soul and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy you have set me at my feet in a broad place Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I've been forgotten like one who is dead. I've become like a broken vessel, for I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to shoal. Let the lying lips be mute, which speaks instantly against the righteous in pride and contempt. O how abundant is your goodness! which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you in the sight of children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them. From the plots of men, you store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wonderfully shown his steadfast love to me. When I was in a besieged city, I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you His saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the ones who act in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. (laughs) That's the entirety of Psalm 31. Now... Just in those few short verses, look at the beauty of that and the strength and the power of God in that. The truth, right? How many times did we say the word truth in the last hour? So if it's you, and I think it's all of us, in these weird times, whether things are good in your life or whether they're upside down, I would encourage you. If you at one point were in the Bible... If you've never opened the Bible at all, if you need some peace and you need some strength, you need some courage, you need love, you open up the pages of your Bible and go in there. And you know, you don't have to read chapter and verse for hours on end. If you spend five minutes a day, what did that reading take place? Maybe like three minutes max. I gained something from it just by reading God's Word. And so I would recommend that to you, friend, that you would do the same thing. And if you're blessed and you've got family, especially if you've got your wife or your husband and your kids around the dinner table, you know, you know, kids are in Bible study, you know, they wander, they fuss, they roll their eyes, they make noise. But, you know, eventually they catch that vision. They know the word. Because it always finds its home, doesn't it? It always finds its home. So take heed. And I, I say this for myself and for you. God is peace and God is love and he is with us. So despite what's going on in this world today, whether here locally in the city of Pittsburgh or across western Pennsylvania or in that pale blue dot all the way around the world, God is on the throne and he calls us. He calls all of us to be with him. So, That invitation is there in his holy word in the pages of the Bible. I am certain of that. And it's no accident that we're here together, that we're all in this motion, this moment here. It's very, very good. We'll take a quick break. When we do come back, Jen Rosner will be with us. Now, in the sweep of this world, in the history of God in the universe, one country stands alone. And we'll talk about that country next Are you listening to Pittsburgh's Christian Talk? We're Word FM, online at wordfm.com, on the radio dial at 101.5, Word FM, W-O-R-D.
5: 101.5, W-O-R-D.
2: You're listening now, so we know you're a fan of the radio station. I am a big fan. And we want you to know that we appreciate you.
10: I'm your number one fan.
2: That's why we've developed the Word FM Fan Club. It's free to join, and once you do, you can take part in exclusive surveys and contests. Yeah, I love contests. Special offers. Great giveaways. Discounts.
1: Freebies. I'd like to win one of these contests.
2: Become a member today. Go to wordfm.com
4: slash and sign up. We're big fans. Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He created the Giza Dream Bedsheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for you. Hey, this is John Hall. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza, and his latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. For a limited time, you'll receive 60% off the Giza Dream Sheets that come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You'll receive a set for as low as $39.99, and for a limited time with any purchase, you'll receive Mike's softcover book free when you use promo code WORD. WORD. Go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code WORD. Along with this offer, you'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Call 1 800 391 0954, use the promo code WORD, or visit MyPillow.com, use the promo code WORD.
12: My grandma makes fried chicken that is simply the world's best, but sometimes she'll say, Ah, I didn't get that batch just perfect. To me, a little bit less than the world's best still tastes like the world's best. It's Ryan, and that's kind of how I feel about all this interest rate hubbub right now. The internet wants to make it feel like the sky is falling. And sure, rates might come up a bit this year, but a small move up from historically the lowest the world has ever seen is still some tasty fried chicken. I worked with a radio listener this week and gave him five different refinance and cash out refinance options. Because rates were still great and because home values have gone sky high, he was able to pull out a significant amount of cash from his home and his mortgage payment and years on the loan didn't change at all. They're going to use the cash to pay off some debt, take a special vacation, and save the rest for peace in their brains. If you're curious what your specific options would be, we our united faith mortgage united mortgage court melville new york MLS number 1330 department of banking mortgage lender license number 22672 when it comes to your child's education
1: consistency is key and in a world that's been anything but parents have found an unshakable educational partner in eden christian academy where students experience an engaging, rock-solid Christian education at each of their three North Hills campuses, enabling them to thrive academically, spiritually, and socially. Take a tour during Admissions Week beginning March 14th and see what a consistent, quality pre-K through 12th grade education can offer your child
4: at edenchristianacademy.org. Every years ago, people were giving out at a public event. Hey, We've got a Bible for you. Here's a Bible. And so, you know, I happily took one. It was, you know, a little paperback Bible. But the fact of the matter was, it really wasn't the Bible. It was it was the New Testament. They just gave out the New Testament, which is fine, but you really can't call that the Bible. You, you need the Old Testament to make it the Bible, <laughs> the old and new together. And I think for a lot of Christians, we do ourselves such a great disservice by ignoring... Or knowing so little about the Old Testament that we just skip right by it. And especially if you skip by the Old Testament, then you're skipping by Israel and its place, center place, the center place of it all as the great nation, Israel, and God's plan, not only for Israel, but for all of us. Well, Jen Rosner is with us. Jen's been a guest on our show for a long time, and uh, she is the affiliate assistant professor of systematic theology at Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California. And Jen, welcome back to the show. How are you doing?
10: Thanks, John. Nice to be here. I'm doing well.
4: Great. Thanks. Well, listen, it's our pleasure that you're here, Jen, because you put a very unique perspective, especially as you talk about Jewishness and Israel. So I think about Israel. And of course, reading my Bible, I know about the election of Israel. But for people who don't know, how does the election of Israel inform the biblical narrative?
10: Yeah, it's 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 a great question, John, and, and sort of similar related to the story that you told about people handing out the Bible, but it was really just the New Testament. It reminds me of a time, a long time ago, I was, I was attending a Presbyterian church at the time, and the pastor of the church, who turned out to be a great friend of mine, was doing a sermon series on election, and so he did, you know, however many Sundays just on election, And it struck me, I think, especially looking back, that he never once talked about God's election of Israel. It was a much more sort of Calvinistic Christian doctrine of election and sort of unconditional election and and all these things that comes into Calvinist theology, which is fine, except that I kind of left thinking, we don't even have a context to understand the concept of election if we just jump in with, like, John Calvin and Christians in the New Testament, I mean, the whole idea of election goes back to God's election of, of the people of Israel, uh, which is what, you know, I would argue our entire Bibles are about from beginning to end, but certainly the story of the Old Testament, which, as I said, gives us a context context to even, you know, understand what the New Testament is talking about when we want to think about election in Christian terms.
4: Yeah. So, Jen, then what does that mean then? The entire sermon series and never once mentioning Israel. I mean, that's not ignorance, but what is it then?
10: Yeah, I mean, as one scholar puts it, um, he calls it Israel forgetfulness, you know, and I think it's so common in the church, maybe especially the Western church, um, that we just don't really see think about Israel's role in the whole narrative arc of our Bibles and and, and in terms of what God is doing in the world, you know, past, present, and future, it's not exactly ignorance. I think it's a certain conditioning or just a, a customary way of viewing things in the Christian world. And again, there's a lot of historical factors that have contributed to this, but I think most Christians, you know, even like really devoted Christians don't give a lot of thought to God's covenant with the people of Israel and why that is relevant to mm. Christian faith. I feel like there's such a gap there um, that at this point it's sort of like the outlier Christian or Christian pastor who does make those kinds of connections.
4: That's good. Okay, so then then let's go there. Then crystallize for us. I mean, you have the podium here, and you're talking to, I believe, mostly Christian listeners right now. What is it about Israel, its election, what God has done what God has done and why it's important, not just for believers, but for the world itself.
10: Yeah. I mean, I, again, I think that, I think that most Christians probably tend to think of Judaism today as like another religion, you know, like it's a non-Christian religion. We sort of put it in the category of other religions. And if we go back to the content context, certainly of the old Testament, The people of Israel were the only people who were, like, worshipping the one true God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And every other people group—they call it the nations, the goyim in in, in the Old Testament—were worshipping idols. And so the Old Testament kind of tells this story of this interplay between Israel and the nations, Israel and the nations, Israel who worships the one true God— and has this calling to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. By the existence of Israel, we're, the world sees God, and the world is sort of hostile to that. There's this, there's this hostility that is playing out between Israel and nations. But Israel, which, which sort of morphs much later into Judaism, uh, these are the people of God. This is the elect community of God— who is called to make God known in the world. And you get these prophetic passages in Isaiah and, and and other places where there's sort of this idea that Israel is a light to the nations, that Israel's election is not only for the sake of Israel, but for the sake of all nations. Yes. Uh, again, the Hebrew term is goyim, the Gentiles, the non-Jews, all the nations, everyone else uh, is, is somehow kind of bound up in Israel's election, Israel is this people, you know, there's, there's, there's a scholar who talks about God's incarnation in the people of Israel long before God becomes incarnate in the person of Jesus. So, again, I think it sets the whole frame for how we understand God's work in the world from a biblical perspective.
4: Yeah. And Jenna, as you describe it, I mean, it's not that giant of a leap to think that without that, the world and civilization as we know it would not exist.
10: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think that that's the place where God, it's sort of the locus, the place where God has chosen to make himself known in and to the world is through the people of Israel. And and what if, if we sort of read the Bible through this lens, what becomes so remarkable about the New Testament is that through Jesus, Gentiles, the nations, everybody else is invited into this pre-existing covenant that God has with the people of Israel. The covenant, as it was always foretold to do, is now open up to everybody. Everybody gets to have the same kind of intimate proximate relationship with God that the people of Israel have always had and so that the, the sort of technical term in scholarly circles is Gentile inclusion that's what the New Testament is about mm-hmm. it's about Gentiles now being invited into this covenant without becoming Jews so you could always have had people sort of glomming on to the people of Israel and and the people of Israel growing and sort of taking on the practices of the people of Israel and now in the New Testament and this is what you know, the the early disciples and apostles kind of marvel at is that there's this sort of new category where Gentiles can follow the God of Israel as Gentiles without becoming Jews, without being circumcised, without keeping kosher, without doing all these things. And so we see, uh, again, God's election of Israel provides the frame for the work of Jesus and this wider um, broadening of that covenant relationship with humanity that takes place through God's covenant with Israel.
4: Hmm. I love this so much Jen. So don't you wonder and of course you yourself you know teaching and thinking about the Bible and God's work. What about, you know, Abraham and Moses and beyond You know the the early rabbis, all those people who were writing and thinking and discussing and praying, you know, in the temple. What a thick stew that was! People, of course, you know, long since gone, will never know their name, but they were the army that put things in play.
10: Mm Hmm. Yes, absolutely. And and I think as we've been saying, I think it's important to see those figures that you mentioned, those biblical figures. In the context again of of this of God's covenantal relationship with the people of Israel, I think you know it's easy for, uh, and I think it's right actually for Christians to feel a deep sense of resonance with these Old Testament figures as well. But I think ultimately what this kind of conversation should lead us to do is to ponder the inseparable conne- connection between Jews and Christians, between Judaism and Christianity. So so we kind of come out the other side and we say, wait a second, Judaism. Uh, there is a very complex history between Judaism and Christianity, but Judaism is not just like another non-Christian religion that we can sort of lump with Hinduism and Buddhism and yes. Islam. It's 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 actually uh, there. It's a non-analogous relationship between Judaism and Christianity. You sort of I would argue that you can't quite fully understand one without understanding the other. And again, this has to do with this history, and at some point you have the sort of parting of the ways whereby Judaism and Christianity after New Testament times, I would argue, become these two separate and in many ways mutually exclusive religious communities. Um, but I think I think that's a false uh, separation, and, and, and we sort of do it in vain if we try to understand Christianity uh, in sort of a separate category than Judaism, uh, or we try to understand these kind of key terms, things like blessing and s- sacrifice and atonement. I mean those terms, which get talked about all the time in the Christian circles, those terms are rooted in God's story with Israel. That's where we need to go if we want to truly understand, those
4: key concepts. Yeah, I mean, it's from the same root, so it, it is. I mean, it's mm-hmm. buried in the ground together. So, well, then why is it, Jen, I was just talking before you joined us, uh, yesterday here in the city at uh, the largest cathedral in Pittsburgh, there was an interfaith gathering to pray for Ukraine. There's a lot of Ukrainians that live in Pittsburgh, it's you know, true. they've worked in the mills and the mines, you know, they came to Pittsburgh from from Europe hundreds of years ago, and, and so there they were, people shoulder to shoulder, Jews and Christians, and, you know, you name it, the faith tradition is there. But I think still, when Christians and Jews gather, especially from a Christian perspective, Christians still feel a weirdly unease around mm-hmm. rabbis. They go, I recognize who you are, but I can't go there. Yeah?
14: hmm
10: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I yeah, I think I think it goes both ways. I think, you know, it's yeah, interesting yeah. in Judaism that there's again, because of these complex historical factors that Uh, that don't get talked about a lot things like christian anti-semitism throughout the centuries that that a lot of that history does isn't talked about enough in my opinion Uh such that and that's part of what has made judaism so vehemently opposed to belief in jesus is because of this jesus who has been presented throughout the centuries um, is this kind of distorted version that Jews associate with pogroms and with mm. Hitler and with the Holocaust, that Christians aren't so aware of that. And so Jesus becomes this kind of dividing line between Jews and Christians, which is why I think it's so fascinating to go back historically and look at, you know, the context of the New Testament, where those lines were were far from clear. You know, there weren't these clear divisions. As there are today and of course we can't go back in time but it's helpful to just sort of rehearse some of the contours of history as we think about these things because I think it gives us a new lens to understand the reality that we see today with regard to Jews and Christians—that's
4: good. We're talking with Jen Rosner from uh, Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena. So, Jen, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you know, you teach at a seminary, so there are people out there who and they go, "What? I want to know more. I need to know more about this. If this is my faith, I want to know the history and embrace it fully." Those two things—the Jewishness and the Christianity. I mean, I'm sure many mm-hmm. great people have written about this. Is there a primer that you could recommend? Anything like that that we should? Beware of?
10: Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a couple things I would mention. I mean, t- t- two of the books I'll, I'll mention are a, a bit more on the academic side, but, but again, I think very accessible. There's a book by an author named Kendall Solon called The God of Israel and Christian Theology, where he just kind of goes into the history that I've kind of alluded to here. Of, of what he calls Christian supersessionism, Christian theology whereby the church is seen to supersede or to replace God's covenant with Israel, which, again, I think is one of these things that a lot of Christians don't, um, don't think about it that much, but that might be the default assumption, is it's kind of like out with the old and with the new. Right, right. Um, another book that's, that's really excellent uh, is, is a book by Mark Kinzer, the leading Messianic Jewish scholar. Uh, He has a few different books out there, but the one that I think really lays all these things out very well is called Post-Missionary Messianic Judaism, and I actually have a book coming out that addresses these topics as well, um, that releases in May and is now available for pre-order, called Finding Messiah, A Journey into the Jewishness of the Gospel, and it, it kind of dips into my own personal story, but also topics like the Sabbath and sin and You know, Paul, how do we read Paul, and how do we understand the coming of the Holy Spirit? These kind of different topical theological conversations going into this relationship between Judaism and Christianity.
4: Fabulous. Look, I I didn't even know that you had a book coming out, Jen, so I'm glad I asked the question. (laughs) Thank you. Me too. That's very good. So it drops in May, Finding Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. fabulous well listen jen it's very interesting thanks so much for this i i want to know more i think our audience needs to know more about this it's a subject that's a little talked about so your conversation here is a great encouragement to me thank you thank you again well
10: thank you it's, it's great to be with you
4: our pleasure jen rosner um professor of systematic theology at fuller theological seminary in pasadena california finding messiah she tells us forthcoming i want to know more about this The election of Israel and what that means for us as believers. I remember trying to choose a college when I was of that age and thinking, how does this work? There's no one to help me. Um, My parents didn't have a clue. They didn't attend college. My guidance counselor, he kind of shrugged his shoulders. There was a lot of anxiety. Everything worked out fine in the end. But when you look at where kids are today, especially, I mean, all the pressure the kids have, social media, all the online stuff, you get things in the mail nonstop. I mean, there's a lot of pressure to choose the right college, to do the right thing, to propel you to that full future that awaits you. It seems like a lot, doesn't it?
7: I remember the first week or two of seventh grade for one of my daughters. Seventh grade. Seventh grade. They had an assembly where they were handed this chart, and they had to like decide what they wanted to do career wise so that in seventh grade they could start picking the right classes so that they could graduate with the right skill set so they could get accepted into the right college and then they could get the job that they want. Oh my gosh. Now that's so much pressure for a seventh grader.
4: So where's God in all this?
7: Exactly. And is there a way to raise children and encourage students to think that they don't just belong to themselves, but they
4: belong to God. Find out At Grove City College. What does God have for you? GCC. Why Doing It Right? Roofing, siding, remodeling? It's simple. It's in their name.
7: Doing It Right uses only top-quality materials and employs only experienced installation and management people to install and oversee your project.
4: Family owned and operated for 38 years, and with over 45 years of industry experience, you can be confident that your project will be installed the correct way.
7: Doing It Right does business honestly, taking no money down and collecting balance upon completion.
4: You'll receive a lifetime labor warranty from Doing It Right.
7: Doing It Right does all work to manufacturers, national roofing contractors, Association and Vinyl Siding Institute guidelines and specifications for a complete and headache-free installation.
4: Doing It Right is an Owens Corning Platinum Contractor and James Hardy Preferred Contractor.
7: Most importantly, they're affordable, offering great financing options and accepting all major credit cards.
4: Be sure to mention John and Kathy for a discount off your roofing, siding, and remodeling estimates.
7: Call 724-NEW-ROOF or find them at roofingcontractorpittsburgh.com. Want it done right call? Doing it right.
5: Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, In and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. I can't believe he found them.
3: He seems sorry.
5: We very clearly told him not to look up there.
3: I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it.
5: Right? What, did he balance on that big chair? Or- yeah,
3: I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year.
5: I really thought we had
14: hidden them well.
3: If they can find their presence, they can find a gun.
14: 911, what is your emergency?
3: Every day,
1: eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at
4: nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and N Family Fire.
15: Much colder for tonight, a rain or snow shower in spots in the evening. Then you'll see some flurries late. Tonight's low, 30. Cooler with clouds and sun tomorrow. High, 42. Tuesday night, low, 32. Wednesday, rain and drizzle in the morning, then clouds, a high 44. Cloudy on Thursday with a high 52. And on Friday, clouds with a high 62. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. I've
4: been thinking about this for reasons that I won't go into. But I've been thinking about hoarding. Of course, hoarding is not a new issue, um, nor is our fascination with hoarding or hoarders. Reality television shows have been uh, chronicling extreme cases of hoarding for years. Remember the show? I caught a few episodes of it. It was called Clean House. It was way back, uh, I think, in 2003 or 2002. Uh, There's another show called Hoarders. I think it was on... um, I don't know what it was on. It was on one of the cable shows. But, you know... Here's the truth. Now that the pandemic is easing, friends and family members, I count myself of this, you may be more aware of loved ones whose hoarding tendencies have intensified over the last couple of years. And unfortunately, however, another thing that is not new about hoarding is the difficulty of treating or helping a loved one with this hoarding... I I, I, I don't want... I struggled. Is it a malady? Is it an illness? Is it a psychological concern? It's I'm sure it's all these things, right? Years ago, we talked about this and, and people reached out and, um, some, uh, ministry, this local ministry that was helping with hoarders, not that they were, you know, trying to, you know, totally clean people's houses. So they, they were looking at the heart and not so much the effects of hoarding. But I mean, If you go into someone's house, and my guess is most of us know someone who, if they're not extreme hoarders, you know, are on the fringes. I remember living in New York City, uh, this is, living in New York City back in the 80s, and I was looking for my first apartment, and I answered a want ad in the newspaper, of course they were newspapers in the 80s, and I went to someone's house in the village, and this poor woman, she had newspaper stacked up so high in her rooms that it was like walking into a maze. Literally you had not enough room for the width of your body to walk in between stacks of newspaper from one room to another. And she took me to a room that was maybe three quarters full of newspaper and said, this is the room that you would live in. I was like 22 and there was no way I was going to do that. Even it was a good price. And you could see the poor woman, she was distressed I mean, she, and embarrassed. I don't know how that works in people's lives. I mean, God bless people. I mean, I, I do know this, that if you know someone who is a hoarder, that you have to be liberal with your praise. And criticism, of course, and negative comments do not serve the purpose of moving your loved one toward accepting assistance. And that's really what it's all about. They need assistance to get rid of stuff so they can address the root cause of why they're hoarding in the first place. I wonder if there's anything local here in the city of Pittsburgh. I wonder if there is. You know, you would think there would be like a 12-step program in some ways, right? Because it is an addiction in some form or another that there has to be support groups for people who are hoarding and for people who love the hoarder, right? Like that, like there's an Al-Anon for people who are children of alcoholics or spouses of alcoholics, you would think there'd be the same thing for that. I don't know. It's just me thinking out loud about this. Anyway, I've just been thinking about hoarding and I wonder about that. Do you have any threads to that? If you're listening right now, is that been your experience or is that you? Or if you love a hoarder, do you have some experience with that as well? Just a curiosity. And I'm I'm just looking for some sort of thread, some insight for all of us as iron sharpens iron, right? Anyway, we'll take a quick break. Uh, when we do come back, Tom Soroka is with us. Tom Soroka is an Orthodox priest, and he has insight. At his at his church, he has Ukrainians and Russians that are sitting, uh, apparently, shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder at worship on a Sunday. We'll talk about that next on The Right Home. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. and Sword Word FM.
5: point five woRD.
6: Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee. With prices set to increase on all exterior products, lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate at Pittsburgh.com. Find them at the Pittsburgh Home Show now through Sunday. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windows Windowsarrest, you
8: In the Bible, Jesus says when we care for the least of these, it's like we're caring for Him. But who are the least of these? They're moms, like Myrna from Guatemala who fights every day just to keep her children fed.
9: Right now, they are hungry. They want food, and we don't have money enough to get to
8: that whole week. COVID-19 has left the world's poorest families on the brink of starvation. Throughout the Caribbean and Latin America, the basics of food and access to clean water are a daily struggle.
7: I only get food when other people give me food.
8: When you partner with Food for the Poor, you answer the desperate prayers of moms and kids. Your gift of 100 $75 will provide food for a year and water for life for two suffering children. Just pennies a day gives food and water, hope and life. Please give life now. Call 855-828-4673, 855-828-4673 or click the red Give Life banner at wordfm.com.
2: Maybe you're an elder in a local congregation or a deacon wanting to serve your church more faithfully. Dr. Barry York on the Master of Theological Studies program at RPTS. The wonderful thing about the MTS degree is you can actually do it all online. So they can take the degree online and grow in that theological ability that will allow them to either teach or work more faithfully
1: in their local congregation. Learn more about the MTS degree program and flexible online options at rpts.edu. So, of
4: course, we're hearing one heartbreaking story after another about the war in Ukraine and, you know, the sanctions that are being imposed upon Russia. What does that look like, though, when Russians and Ukrainians, right, just regular people, worship shoulder to shoulder? Father Tom Sorok is back with us. Tom's been with us for many, many years here on The Ride Home. He is pastor of St. Nicholas Orthodox Church in McKee's Rocks. And Tom, friend, how are you?
19: Hi,
4: John. How are
19: you? Good. We're well, good to see uh, you, thanks Tom. Thanks for inviting me. And today is the first day of Great Lent Excellent. for Orthodox Christians, so it's especially somber for us now.
4: Well, thank you. Thanks for taking the time uh, out of this somber day to to talk about this something that's really important, Tom, that you've witnessed in your own church, of course, which is Russians and Ukrainians worshiping together.
19: Yes, and I think that's important for Americans to understand. Um, and and the first thing is that there is no condoning of what Russia has done. Yeah. This is an unjust action, and it should be condemned. Um, However, there is a kind of uh, nuance here that is important to understand. You know, John, you were in Ukraine. You've visited there. Uh, Ukrainians and Russians are brothers in in every sense of the word. They are not totally different nationalities like, you know, Russians and Germans or Russians and French. And sometimes uh, when I watch some of the coverage there is this attitude that somehow they are totally distant. Um, Nevertheless, that makes this even the more painful because it grew out of a war that has been going on in Eastern Ukraine for eight years. And even before that, uh, the Russians feel that there has been encroachment uh, in their sort of security through NATO and through the West and so forth. Nevertheless, again, Um, it's not to excuse the Russian action. It's just to say that there is a a common history here. For instance, um, most people would be uh, shocked, at least in America, to know that probably 90% of Russians and about 75% of Ukrainians are Orthodox Christians. Mm. So in a country of 140 million in Russia, 90% of them are Orthodox or, or claim to be Orthodox in a a country like Ukraine of 40 million, 75%, you know, claim to be Orthodox. So they have this common history because Ukraine is the cradle, the city Kiev that you keep hearing of, or Kiev uh, in, in the Ukrainian pronunciation. It is the cradle of the civilization of what is called Rus. RUS and this is sort of the broader slavic um, civilization you might say. And so that was where Christianity first came to that area in 988 in the Dnieper River the Rus people or the Ukrainians the Russians were baptized. And eventually that the, the center of that Russian civilization moved north to moscow but they always shared this very common um uh, link between the two areas and that is their christian heritage I see and that makes this all the the more terrible
4: that's um i, I don't want to kick a wasp a wasp next nest here but there is of course uh, always conversation about the orthodox church in russia and the political ramifications and how they're tied in with the kremlin i mean that's a reality yes
19: yeah, it is a reality, and part of it is because I, I would say historically we know two things. Number one, there was always a close relationship between the church and the state even before communism. So we are post-communism now. But in Russia, you had in czarist Russia, you had a very close alignment between the church and the state. This is called, the principle is called symphonia, and it actually comes from the Roman Empire where uh Christianity became the the legal religion, the official religion of the Roman Empire in the 4th century. So both Catholics and Orthodox kind of share this history. And then when communism uh took over in Russia in 1917, then um the the relationship between the church and the the government was severed, right? But, uh, and churches were destroyed, millions of people were killed, priests, bishops, and so forth. Yes. But after World War II, um, the the idea was, let's get the church's support. And so the communist government gave a little bit of lenience to the church. And that relationship has kind of stuck even after communism fell, because it was a way for the Russian people to feel like, they had a, a sort of common source of hope and a common source of of uh, unity.
4: I see. So, so at least not, you know, in, they had the church, but not necessarily the government. But the church could be a mouthpiece for them.
19: The The church, you know, here's the problem. I, I would not go as far as to say that every church and every uh, bishop is sort of a mouthpiece for Putin, Now, I will say this is a very difficult situation for Russian people right now because Putin is very uh, authoritarian, and so there could be a lot to lose. So I think they are going very slowly. However, you are seeing some priests start to speak out, and especially, of course, in Ukraine, by the way, Russia has 10,000 churches in Ukraine, 10,000 Orthodox churches in Ukraine, and they have already spoke out uh, against the government. So um, I, I think that you know we want to make sure that this doesn't um, nullify the Christianity of the Russian people. They are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. However, however, again, uh, you know, John, we see this in America, too, by the way. We see evangelical churches that, you know, are waving flags on 4th of July and, and are very pro-American. So this is, uh, this is not unusual for people to kind of stand behind their
4: government. Sure, intertwine However, the two you're together. Right.
19: Yeah, you're right that, you know, the church, unfortunately, has had a very cozy relationship with the government, which is unusual for us as Americans. Right.
4: Okay. So then in some ways, and Tom, you know, this much better, of course, than I could even hope to know. What about the religiosity of Putin and the church together? I mean, is he, is, is there a reset button here? Is this the beginnings of a religious war? What's that look like?
19: I don't think it's a religious war. Um, and, and in terms of Putin's religiosity, again, Um, it's very hard to say. Who knows what's in the heart of a person? Certainly, he is not displaying any Christian virtues uh, by any sense of the the term. However, uh, his love for Russia, his love for his homeland is what he says is motivating this, and it is a complicated situation. What I would say is, if we look at the principles of the Christian faith, then we need to, uh, you know, really stop this bombing and stop the war. And these are the principles of Orthodox Christianity to be, to live at peace with our neighbor, to be, to love God. Uh, and this is not supported by the, uh, the the Orthodox religion, the Orthodox Christian religion at all. So, you know, whether he's claiming some kind of religious um, reason for this, I don't believe, other than the historical union between Ukraine and Russia that has existed for a thousand years.
4: I see. We're speaking with Father Tom Soroka, who joins us from St. Nicholas Orthodox Church in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. So, Tom, there you are. I mean, for decades, you've been worshiping and drawing people together across western Pennsylvania in your church on a regular basis. There are Ukrainians and there are Russians, and they call themselves brothers and brothers in Christ.
19: And this has been obviously a very painful time, very painful uh, 12 days now for us, because we have people who are Ukrainian and lived in Russia. We have people who are Russian and lived in Ukraine and they all love one another. Uh, But politics being what they are, people can disagree on these things. And just like in our churches across America, where we might be, uh, left or right or Democrat or Republican, these things uh, can be very difficult. What we are calling for as religious leaders, as Orthodox Christian religious leaders, is for these countries to be at peace, for the war to stop in eastern Ukraine, but Russia to stop bombing Ukraine. This is wrong. Uh, This is harming innocent people. And this is the only Orthodox Christian solution is to talk these things out, to discuss them, and to come up with a solution so that the innocent people of Ukraine can live in peace and self-determination.
4: Thank you. In the meantime, people that you know and love that have been with you in your parish for all these decades, it's got to be heartbreaking to come together on a Sunday and see what's happening on our screens, to know the stories, to pick up the phone. You're hearing so many heartbreaking things.
19: I have consoled people that are in tears. They call their parents. They call their grandparents. We have a priest who uh, came to us from Ukraine. He was here for six months during uh, the summer and the fall. And I called him because he's in Poltava and Russia was bombing Poltava. And I was very concerned. And I didn't hear from him for three days. And I really thought the worst. And then he had messaged me on WhatsApp saying that he's okay right now but they're very scared and concerned and they're very confused as to why Russia would do this. Yeah. So um, it, it this is sort of I, I think we have to pray for Ukraine uh, but I also think we have to pray for the Russian people. yes we have come down very hard on the country of Russia. We've cut them off economically, uh, socially, Uh, And I think this is going to be um, a very, very difficult time in our world until we all reach out together in peace uh, and harmony and and love one another and forgive one another.
4: And so, Tom, as you model that peace and unity together at St. Nicholas Church in McKee's Rocks, so would it be amplified to the whole world? Thank you, Tom.
19: Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Pray for Ukraine and for peace.
4: Pray for, yes, pray for Ukraine. Pray for peace. Thank you so much. I mean, very difficult days, but there it is. I mean, locally here in Western Pennsylvania, there are many Orthodox churches here uh, across the, the states filled with good and wonderful people who love the Lord like you and I do. We all need to pray for peace.
20: If you were lied to when buying a timeshare and worn out, you need my help. Hi, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started the timeshare cancellation industry by exposing the ugly truth about timeshare and giving folks the straight facts. I've been fighting the timeshare giants ever since, so no one knows this industry better than me and my team. Today, we have 383 employees and have saved our clients an average of $65,000 in lifetime payments. Imagine putting those Timeshare dollars back in your pocket. If you were told in a Timeshare presentation that this was available today and today only, that Timeshare was a great investment, or your maintenance fees will never go up, call my office now. I guarantee if we take you as a client, We will cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing.
2: Call now for your free information kit. 800-885-8338. 800-885-8338. 800-885-8338.
1: McQueen Building Company.
9: Hi, I'm cute kid number one. And I'm cute kid number two. And we have been forced. You mean hired. We have been hired. To tell you what direct lender FOMO is. So let's say you buy a new home. Let's go. And maybe you use one of those big mortgage monsters. Or someone your realtor or friend recommends. Then a few months later, you hear us being forced. Hired. Hired. To tell you about our mortgage team's Direct Lender Advantage. And then you feel like you missed out. Because you probably did miss out. And that is Direct Lender FOMO. And that's a wrap.
12: It's Ryan, and our mortgage team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender. Which means, our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. For you, this often allows us to get you a better rate on that new home mortgage, saving you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage.
8: United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage lender license number 22672.
7: No one should read your personal messages. That's why WhatsApp uses end-to-end encryption. It protects whatever you send before, during, and after you send it. So no one, not even WhatsApp, can read your messages. Always message privately. WhatsApp.
5: We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com. The Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey.
18: That's interesting.
4: I really comment on commercials here. Christy, there was a commercial there for WhatsApp. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I wonder what that means. Uh, They're generating attention in the hopes of more people sign up. Do you use uh, a private server like that? I do
10: not. I just use iMessage
4: yeah, so do I, but we just heard from Tom Tom Soroka. he's talking to somebody from you know from Russia or Ukraine, I believe, and uh there they are on WhatsApp.
13: I guess it's a safe way to use it if you're gonna talk to somebody like that.
4: but there are many people who would use whatsapp for that for that sort of thing so I, I wonder you know I know nothing about this. How insecure is iMessage? I mean, can people drill down into that?
13: I don't think i usually if it's Apple, it's usually pretty safe. <laughs> usually
4: yeah see there's the problem right i just that's really interesting i've never ever in all the years we've been here heard something you know on our airwaves talking about a particular app to use and so there it is you know in these weird times that we live in i think people are super conscious about security and um how do you keep things secure it's very strange um i don't know i'm like you i, I just I'm kind of like, you know, sometimes like a a cork in water, just tossed about, right? And I I started the show like I'll end the show here, that without that peace in God, and and like I said, at my best, in knowing the truth and grace and the forgiveness of Jesus on the cross, I still am, am, you know, just weak. And I think if I'm that way, my guess is in some ways that you're that way as well. They're all malleable. We're all sort of fragile. And humankind is so thin and just delicate. And heck, here we are in the safety of our homes in Western Pennsylvania. And you think about those people in Ukraine and the forces that are against them and the, the, the onslaught of Russian missiles and people firing at them. And oh, heaven help us. So, I. There is power. I do know that. Power in our hearts to to wish for peace, right? Because as people wish us ill and we feel those wishes upon us, well, we turn that around and wish peace in this world. And I know that goes the opposite way. As ill will goes, so does goodwill go. And, of course, good will always triumph over evil. There's the truth of that because, of course, Christ died on the cross for us. Have a great night. Say a prayer. God willing, we'll see you tomorrow.